This episode is brought to you by the Copywriter Accelerator, the 12-week program for copywriters who want to learn the business skills that they need to succeed. Learn more at thecopywriteraccelerator.com. What if you could hang out with seriously talented copywriters and other experts? Ask them about their successes and failures, their work processes, and their habits. Then steal an idea or two to inspire your own work. That's what Rob and I do every week at the Copywriter Club podcast. You're invited to join the club for episode 180 as we chat with persuasion expert and direct response copywriter Jimmy Parent about how to be more persuasive in our own writing, big ideas, and how to have more of them, what he's done to improve his craft as a copywriter, and the persuasion mistakes copywriters make that hold them back. Hey, Jimmy. Jimmy, welcome. Hey, guys. Glad we can get together and finally do this. It's It's been a long time. Too long in coming, for sure. All right. So, Jimmy, let's kick this off with your story, as we always do. How did you end up as a copywriter and persuasion expert? Funny thing about that, I don't know if you know how most copywriters get their start. I mean, I know this is a copywriter podcast, but I stumbled into it on accident. You know, I had no idea that copywriting was a thing when I first discovered it, you know, so I have, you know, being that I'm, I'm a typical ADD entrepreneur, I have a huge background of all these different jobs that I, you know, started and left or careers that I started and left. I mean, I was a, I was a race car fabricator. I was, you know, a stainless steel fabricator. I did aerospace stuff, you know, welding and things like that. Uh, then I was even a pre-med student. I worked as an x-ray tech in the hospital, you know, in the orthopedic surgical units. Um, then I went into, uh, what is it called? Financial advisor world, you know, and I, I was in there for a few minutes. Um, and then after that, I actually got into, that's actually how I got into sales, you know. And so I was working on a sales floor selling really expensive, you know, for, at the time, really expensive digital marketing training, you know, it was, Products that were two thousand dollars, five thousand, ten thousand, twenty-five thousand dollar products, and for a short period, I was consistently, you know, in the top three, top five of salespeople on the floor, and it was a big floor. Um, but the thing is, so let's say the guy who was number one, you know, he was on the phone, you know, so they, you could track all the phone calls, right? So he was on the phone, you know, maybe eight, ten hours a day. I was on the phone fifteen minutes a day. And so they couldn't figure out, you know, how I was getting all these sales without having any phone time. They were annoyed because they thought I was, you know, using my cell phone and things like that instead of using their phone call or, you know, their phone system. And I said, no, actually, uh, some of these products are such an easy sale. I'm just selling people over, over text and email, just having a conversation with them. And they were more annoyed by that than anything because they thought, well, if I was on the phone more, I could, I could sell even better. Well, then eventually the director of marketing for this company kind of pulled me aside and he said, hey, I got a hold of some of your emails, seen how you're selling. You know, so at this point I'm sitting down, I thought I was in trouble. You know, I was like, oh, no, they're going to they're going to can me for something. You know, and he says, I was looking at all this. Um, how long have you been a copywriter? And I just kind of looked at him. I said, what's a copywriter? You know, so at that point, I thought a copywriter was someone who, you know, uh, sat in a coffee shop in Portland with his little twirly mustache and wrote blog posts all day long. I'm like, I'm not, I'm not a 
I, I don't know. I'm not a copywriter like that. He says, no, no, there's, he says, yeah, that is a copywriter, but then there's also direct response copy, which is basically selling in print, selling on paper. And I said, oh, well, I guess I'm a copywriter as of today, you know? And so from that point, you know, I, I just went on to Google direct, you know, Google direct response copywriter and stumbled across guys like Kevin Rogers and even you guys, the copywriter club. And I was like, oh my goodness, like there's an entire world of people just like me. And I had no idea they existed, you know? So that's kind of how I got my start. Let's talk about the sales experience that you had, because I think a lot of people think of copywriting as just writing or um, you know, making words sound pretty. And yet true copywriting really has a sales component to it. Even content writing generally has a sales component to it. Uh, tell us a little bit about what you were doing in those emails that you were writing that were so effective. Yeah. So one of my first mentors in sales, he said, look, sales is simple. It's about finding out what people want and then showing them how to get it. That's it. And so when I was doing these emails, I would, so the way it worked is a lead would come in. So, you know, first the positioning was good for me because they were coming to me, you know, so the lead would come in and I would email them saying, Hey, you know, just want to confirm that we have our call for tomorrow morning, 9am. Uh, just curious, you know, what made you want to book the call? And they would say, and they would just tell me, and they said, Oh, well, I really like how in the ad, you know, you talked about this, you know, or it's like how you could, uh, you know, build a business, you know, in your off hours, even if you're working a full-time job, you know, you can do this for, you know, just 15 minutes a day. And it's like, and sure, I already know that, you know, I'm not going to make $10,000 a month, my first month. I know it'll probably take me 10 months to even get there, but I like the idea that I can just work on it a little bit every day and eventually get there. And so, and they would like pour their hearts out to me in these emails. You know, some of them would be like, oh, just curious, you know, and those people, I would end up just canceling the call, you know, but the people where they were serious and, and pouring their hearts out to me, I just responded. I said, well, you know, so, you know, so they list out all the things that they want and all the things that they want to avoid. I said, okay, well, you know, if, if this program that we're offering, you know, cause we do have something for sale here. You know, you, you know, you already know that there's nothing for free here, you know, but in this program we're offering, if I told you that we can give you all these things you want without all of these things you don't want, you know, is there any reason why you wouldn't want to get started? And they would respond like, no, just, just how much is it? I said, well, it's, you know, it's you know, either a hundred bucks, 2000 bucks, whatever it is. They'd be like, all right, yeah, let, let's go ahead and do it. What's, what's the next steps look like? I'm like, okay, well. You know, here's uh, here's the order form, or give me a call, and I'll take down your payment information, and then I'll get you your login details, you know, and all that stuff. So whenever I was on a phone call with people, it was usually like an onboarding session, something that none of the other salespeople were doing because we had an actual onboarding person who's supposed to be doing that. But at this point, I was the one they were talking to, so I'll just take their information, tell them what to do next. All right. So I just want to note that I think you could definitely rock a twirly mustache. If you haven't already, like you could do it, you could pull it off. Um, so what did you do after you realized you were a copywriter? You had that conversation with your mentor and you found Kevin Rogers and you know, copywriter club. What were your next steps after that? How did you start to get your first clients and improve your skill set? Yeah. So that's a really good question. So, you know, to kind of take a step back a little bit. So one of my favorite books 
of all time. You know, so, you know, real quick, my top two favorite books of all time, one of them, uh, my number two favorite book is a book by Bob Berg, John David Mann called The Go-Giver. One of the most important books I've ever read. And that one, that one is, think of that as a very abbreviated version of how to win friends and influence people. All right, so that's my number two book. But my number one favorite book, you know, the other one that I read, I make sure I read uh, once a year is Mastery by Robert Greene. You know, because in Mastery, he talks about, you know, all of the, all of the most influential people in the world. The ones that, that changed society. These are the guys like the, the Leonardo da Vinci's and the, you know, seven other examples that I can't think of right at this moment. You know, but these are people where they had an urge to go in a certain direction. They couldn't explain why. They just had this urge and they were compelled to. And society told them, no, you need to, you need to be different. You need to conform and all of that stuff. And the big takeaway I got out of that, I got out of that book was two things. Okay, so the two big takeaways I got out of that book. One, society says, here's how you're supposed to behave. Here's what you're supposed to do. Here's how you're supposed to conform. Yet the paradox is the people that society celebrates are the people that didn't conform, the people that didn't behave, the people that ignored everyone else and went on their own way. You know, these are the, you know, again, the Da Vinci's, the, the Steve Jobs, you know, the, all these other big, famous, uh, world-changing people. And so what that book did for me is it gave me permission to be able to trust my gut and trust my instincts and go with it. Okay. Now it's, that's hard, but it gave me permission to do that. And so that's where I was like, okay, I'm going to stop being a pre-med student. I'm going to quit trying to do these other things. And I'm just going to trust my judgment. Now to answer your question, the number one most important thing I took out of that book is if you want to become great at something, the easiest, fastest, quickest way to get there is to find people who are the best in the world at it and learn from them. Make them your mentor. And so at this point, I had been a copywriter for, I don't know, you know I'm using air quotes here, uh, officially a copywriter for like three months. Okay, I'm, I've already been, I mean, I'm, an, I'm a natural persuader. I've been you know, I read in, uh, Cialdini's Influence when I was 15 just because I was, like, amazed by it. I just didn't know what to do with the information. You know, so I had been studying influence and persuasion since I was, you know, 15. Now, at this point, I was, like, maybe 31, when I, 31, 32, when I discovered I was a copywriter. You know, so I'm three months in as a copywriter. Okay, and then I listened to this podcast with Joe Schrieffer, you know, talking about copyboarding system or something like that on someone's podcast he was talking about this you know and he said hey we're looking for copywriters we'll train you you know just send me an email I said oh okay you know i was like uh oh, i i'm married have a few kids living in arizona you know uh, i have to move to baltimore to do this um probably not you know but right around the same time i was rereading mastery again and I was like, I have to do this, you know, talk to the wife. And she said, I can't explain it, but I, you know, I'm, I'm having these promptings that we should probably do this too. So send an email to Joe Schrieffer. He said, Hey, I really love uh, how you write emails. Let's jump on a call together. And in Joe Schrieffer fashion, it took like three months to actually get on the call with him. Cause the dude is so busy doing so many things. Got on a call with them. Uh, they said, Hey, this sounds great. Flew me out there. 
uh, to Agora, toured the place, and a week later, they made an offer. And so that was around the middle of November. And then on Christmas Day, I was driving a 26-foot box truck um, across the country from Arizona up to Baltimore. And, you know, once once I got here, moved the family out here, and um, that's that's kind of how I got started. Now, to be fair, I don't know if I actually answered your question. I think you did. I think you did. I mean, I, I also am curious because that took – I mean, it sounds like you jumped into that with Joe Schrieffer pretty early on. But what were you doing in the meantime, even as you were waiting for the three months to get on a call with him? Were you, um, tr- you know, in a training program or um, taking other clients? What was happening during that time? Oh, yeah, that's a that's a super important step. So that company I was doing sales for, the director of marketing said, hey, I'm going to pull you over out of sales into the marketing department so you can write copy for for us as a company. I was like, great. Well, you know. Being that I had, you know, that uh, that book mastery in, in the back of my mind, you know, I said, okay, well, you know, at that point, I didn't know anything about uh, Agora Financial. I didn't even know they existed, you know. But going through the different podcasts, I'm like, all right, everyone says that there's like here's like the top three or top five copywriters to learn from, but there's one guy that I just absolutely vibed with his copy. Like I read his copy and I get super, super excited and. and and, you know, as I was going through his sales page for his program, I'm like, oh, his program literally just opened and it's called the Simple Writing System. And of course, the copywriter I'm talking about is John Carlton. And so I told my wife, I was like, hey, um, I know we don't have any money. Okay. I know we're, I know we're broke, um, but we have this other credit card sitting here. You know, me being ADD, you know, people with ADD are the worst with money and <laughs> we're the greatest persuaders. So I'm like, we're broke. And I pers- I persuaded my wife, who's who's like very type A, likes control of everything, somehow persuaded her to put $5,000 onto the onto this extra credit card that we had, you know, and invested into the program and went through his training program, which was like an eight or 10 week thing, which transformed, you know, absolutely took me from a level one to like a level five copywriter in just eight weeks. And, you know, from there, um, that was about the point where I started hearing about, you know, Joe Schriever and Agora Financial and all of that stuff. So that was the, that was the first trading that I took. So tell us a little bit about your experience, especially learning the Agora way. Uh, they're famous for, you know, uh, helping copywriters really dial in the sales messaging and that kind of thing. I know they run a copy school. All of the Agora divisions kind of have their own copy schools and their own approaches to it. But tell us about your experience with that. Yeah. So my experience with that was insanity and overwhelm. Um, I learned so much. And it was so much, and it was it was everything that they advertised it to be. It was so much, excuse me, so much, so fast, so intensely. Okay, so in the core financial, we had um, the oh, what is it called? Brain farting, what it's called. But you know, we went in, and it was it was twice a week for like three hours, two three hours each session. Okay, and like one week it would be a topic of you know big ideas. Next week, topic of of leads, next week topic of, you know, proof elements, the offer, the close, you know, all of these things. And, you know, also while we're doing that, it was like, here's two books this week. You got to read both of them before our session next week. And then the next week, here's three books. You got to read all three of them before our session next week. And these weren't small books, you know, these were, 
uh, you know, these were books like, uh, well, you know, Influence for starters. And I'm looking at my bookshelf right now. Um, Contagious, the Jocko Willink book, Extreme Ownership. You know, so these were thick books. And so it was just stacked back to back to back. And then at the end, we had something called Hell Week, where we had to write a full promo start to finish. You know, and so by the end, it was like, I'm writing this promo. I'm like, okay, I'm working on the lead. What was it that we talked about eight weeks ago when I learned this? You know, it's like, all right, now I'm working on the close. And it's like, all right, what was it that we talked about five weeks ago in the close? And I'm going through my notes and I'm like, yeah, I've, I have no idea <laughs> what, I, what I'm exactly supposed to do here. You know, so I, I guess if I were to rebuild that program, it, I would be building a promo as we're learning it, you know, throughout the week then finish with a full promo by the end. Um, but that was the training period. And then after that, it was like, hey, guys, by the way, we just started this new imprint uh, expansion. Okay, So you are going to eventually be paired up with a publisher, you know, which comes with its own guru that you're going to be writing for. So over the next few months, uh, let's figure out who you like, you know, who you can write well for, what publisher likes you. You know, and then, you know, by the end of that time period, you're going to be writing for them. But the other thing is, because of the imprint expansion, uh, this was something that n has never been done before. You know, and they haven't done it before. I haven't experienced this before. And so it was absolute chaos. And so it, all of a sudden, all of these copy chiefs that, uh, you know, that used to be copy chiefs were now publishers. And so, which meant that they had all these publisher duties that they were either learning to do or they're actively doing. So we had all of these new younger copywriters that were all going to like maybe one or two copy chiefs. Like we had like 20, uh, 20, 30 new copywriters that were all trying to get the attention of a copy chief. So we kind of lacked that feedback, which as we all know now, the fastest, easiest way to learn copy really to learn anything is to put something out there and get feedback from it it's either going to be from the market or from a mentor you know and so we were just putting stuff out there and it was going to market and it wouldn't work and we had no idea why we just knew that it didn't work so yeah that, that i don't know if you have any follow-up questions but that was that was generally my experience with it yeah and and the whole training that you mentioned like this intense training you were an employee right at the time like you were getting paid to go through that piece of it as an employee is that right yes that's absolutely right okay. yeah. so most of us came in as like a as an employee under a six-month uh contract of sorts you know where it's like hey if you make the cut after six months then you then you're in for good okay cool uh, yeah i mean to dig into that a bit more i would love to just hear some of your bigger copywriting lessons that you pulled from your time working at Agora, you know, maybe it was like the more intense beginning. Um, I know you were there for a couple of years, but what really stood out to you that you're applying today? So do we mean overall persuasion or copy specifically? Um, we can tackle persuasion first. Cool. So from an overall persuasion standpoint, you know, I just, that's where I first discovered what positioning actually means, you know, is positioning is one of those ambiguous terms that's thrown around. It's it's the it's one of the most important parts about persuasion, but no one can really define what positioning is. And so the way that I discovered it was I started working 
for Agora Financial. And all of a sudden, I would get emails, text messages, uh, you know, uh, random Facebook, you know, messenger chats popping up of people saying, you know, people I've never seen or heard of before say, hey, heard you're an Agora Financial copywriter. Um, I have this other thing. Do you have time to write copy for this project? And there was some outside of Agora, you know, it was for their own business. And so for like six months, I said, no, you know, because one, I was so busy doing the copy training program. Um, but two, I felt, I still felt like I wasn't, you know, I wasn't ready or I wasn't allowed to, uh, not, not because of NDA stuff or I'm not allowed to work on things. I just like internally, I didn't feel ready, you know, because when I came into Agora Financial, um, I was like, wow, I'm, I'm getting a lot of positive feedback on my copy and it's making sales. You know, so I'm, you know, in the top, I'm already in like the top five, 10% of copywriters in the world. Well, then I go into Agora Financial where I'm instantly at the bottom 1% of Agora Financial. And so, you know, the phrase, the more, the more, you know, the more you don't know, or the more, you know, you don't know, whatever the phrase is, you know? So I was learning, wow, I have so much to learn. So I kept saying no to people. Then eventually I started saying, yes, yes, I'll, I'll work on your copy, you know, send me what you have. And they would send stuff to me and I'm like, this, you're like, I don't know how you're making any sales now. This cotton, like this copy and this marketing and everything here is absolute garbage, you know? And so I would spend half an hour, just do basic direct response stuff on their, on their sales page. And they'll be like, Hey, Jimmy, that upsale you tweaked got, you know, a 280% bump. I'm like, yeah, well, funny thing is that wasn't an improvement. I, all I did was bring your upsell copy to where it was supposed to be you know i brought it to par you know i brought it to zero it was at like a negative 500 before all i did was bring it up you know now the thing is those clients i were getting or those excuse me those clients i was getting wasn't because i went out looking for them it was because i was positioned as an agora financial copywriter so they would just come to me and knock on my door so that's where i first learned positioning from that standpoint and then from a copy standpoint the biggest takeaway that I learned from, from Joe Schrieffer and from Ryan McGrath, who's an absolutely brilliant copywriter, okay, is you need to write extremely simple, very, very simple. And not, not necessarily from the idea of like, oh, make sure you write at a fifth grade level, plug it into Hemingway app and, you know, get rid of all of the, the red and blue highlighting and, and all that stuff. No, it's more like if you have a concept. You know, that, you know, this big idea concept, the mechanism that you're trying to explain that supports your argument, you know, you need to be able to explain it in like three sentences, you know, so just writing simply and to the point and just sell the dang thing. Those are the biggest takeaways I learned from them. You mentioned the big idea and you came into the Copywriter Club Facebook group um, a few months ago and talked in depth about what it takes to have a big idea, come up with big ideas uh, without sort of repeating that entire conversation. Can you tell us a little bit about where your big ideas come from and how you make sure that they're big enough? Yeah, absolutely. So the the tackling the part of making sure they're big enough, that's where all the work goes into. But let's say you wanted to create a very simple, very basic, big idea. Okay. And the way you do that is with a simple promise stack. You know, it's, it's a PMP stack. I mean, I could get away with calling it a pimp stack, but I'm not going to. So it's promise, mechanism, proof. 
So what is the promise that you're making? You know, and, and just whatever it is, just simply write it out. What is the mechanism that makes it possible? You know, is it a system? Okay. Is it a piece of technology? You know, is it, is it a person? Like, is it a, is it a never before seen or heard of guru? You know, is it, you know, like, for example, it's like uh, something about how, you know, Americans can take home an extra $100,000 a year because of a discovery by President Donald Trump or because of a new piece of legislation by Donald Trump. And so that, that mechanism there is, is actually the new piece of legislation. The promise is make an extra $100,000 a year. The mechanism is this new piece of legis legislation. And then the proof, you know, there's, there's what, 30, 50 different types of proof elements. And so the proof there would be Donald Trump, you know, just something that makes it feel proofy. You know, so just to restate that promise, mechanism, proof. And then what makes that stack um, into a, a really big, big idea okay, is find one of those elements that is counterintuitive, something that is unexpected. You know, so I like to study comedy. And the reason why is in comedy, they have a punchline. Okay, and that's what copy does. Okay, you have a setup. In a punchline, except instead of a punchline that makes people laugh, it makes people go, oh, uh-huh, that's really cool. You know, so it's in the punchline and the joke is always something unexpected. Okay. And so to create something unexpected, you have to know what's expected. And that's where the research comes in. You know, when you're, when you are, you know, Chris, uh, my friend, Chris Orzechowski, he just actually sent an email about this this morning where he said, Hey, rather than trying to like understand your customer, just walk a mile in their shoes, you know? So whatever it is you're selling, go and try and do it yourself. You know, like if you're selling a trading program, go and try go try and do trading, you know, do it on your own experiences, see what all the struggles and frustrations and feelings are. Okay. And then when you go to sell the new product, you say, okay, I, I've noticed all of these things. Like if I'm, if I want to make a lot of money, I have to trade futures or Forex. And that means I need a $10,000 margin. Um, but that's the only way that I can, you know, then there's intraday margin and then there's overnight margin and all these complicated terms. But that's all the stuff that your market is familiar with, you know? And so then you could just say, Hey, here's how to make, you know, whatever, 500% a day. Okay, without trading futures or forex, without putting a ten thousand dollar margin, um, you know, and without all the risk, you know, and so you look at that, and they're like, "Oh, well, I'm expecting to have all this risk. I'm expecting to have all this margin, you know." So you're telling me that I can get this, you know, this benefit, this promise, without having to do all this other stuff. And then when you put in a mechanism, you just got to simply, you know, whatever your system is, just call it something that is something they already want. You know, so instead of calling it like the C3PO trading system, you know, instead you call it the uh, fast money now system because they want fast money now. But C3PO, they're like, what is this Star Wars trading? You know, that, that doesn't mean anything to me. But fast money now, that means something to me. So, yeah, I, again, I don't know if I answered your question, but it's more of a stream of consciousness. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're covering the different parts of the big idea. So once you have that big idea, then what are your favorite persuasion 
techniques, tactics, strategies, you know, whatever that then allow you to sell the thing that you're selling. Absolutely. So this is something that I talk about on, you know, on my email list and I'm not here to promote that, but here's the thing. The biggest thing that most people ignore, okay, and this is one of the big lessons that I, I learned from Oren, Oren Claff, is you can't get people to care about your solution until they care enough about the problem. Okay, so most people, they take their solution, okay, and they just like throw it out there into the world. Okay, and so when people see it, they're like, okay, you know, this is, you know, this might be interesting, this might not be. You know, so what you have to do is you have to take your solution and you have to put it against the backdrop of a program. So, you know, let's say you're selling fireproof boots, you know, and they're, they're uh, fireproof up to like 4,000 degrees, um, you know, heat proof, you know, so you, you can put a popsicle inside it and throw it inside of lava and, you know, pull it out an hour later and the popsicle will barely be, you know, starting to melt. So it's like a cool you know, 30 degrees inside that boot. It's like, okay, you know, who cares? Now I'll put it against the backdrop of, look, global warming has come. Right now outside, it's 212 degrees, okay? And it's going to get hotter, all right? There's a meteor coming for us. Um, volcanoes are popping up all over the earth. Like the world is ending right now, okay? And the only people that are going to survive are the ones that aren't roasted, toasted like a crispy critter. Okay. And so the only way to do that, to be able to walk around and survive in the world, okay, is if you had fireproof clothes and fireproof boots that, you know, can withstand thousands of degrees of temperature. Okay. And so what I have is a solution to all that. You know, I have all the outfits, all of the you know, all of the boots and, you know, we even have uh, some outfits that are made by, uh, you know, high-end designers, you know, so you could even look good while staying alive. Okay. So what I just did there is I took the solution and I put it against the backdrop of how the world is changing to where all of a sudden your solution is not only, um, you know, uh, I guess neat, it's, it's critical. Like you have to have it now. And that's something that I see most copywriters, uh, and by most, like if I were to round up the numbers, I would say 100% of copywriters miss that. They, they talk about, they have their headline and they go right into the solution and how it works, all the features and the benefits, when instead you need to describe the problem and then describe that this is a difficult problem to fix. Like you can't just go and do this on your own. You know, let me show you how difficult this is. Look at this person. Here's what they tried and it didn't work. Look at this person. They tried this and things got worse. You know, so by that point, they believe, yeah, this is this is an important problem. And yeah, this is a difficult problem to fix. I need help. And then right at that moment, you say, well, I can help you with that. I'm just curious. Why do you think, you know, 100% of the copywriters are missing that that first piece and the, the pain and the problem? Are we, like, why, what is our problem? Why can't, why can't we do this? It comes down to walking a mile in their shoes. Okay, so do you guys know the copywriter who wrote that ad? What is it? Um, they laughed when I sat down at the, at the piano, but when I began to play, who wrote that? Isn't that Eugene Schwartz? Um, I think it was Cables, actually. I'm, I'm trying okay, to it might, yeah, it might have been Cables. 
I'd have to look at my swipe yeah, file. So, yeah, so I have the, there's this book that he has, you know, so there's a, there's a popular book, the popular cables book was a tested advertising methods. Okay, that book is okay. Um, the book that I absolutely love is called How to Make Your Advertising Make Money. And there's new prints that you can get on Amazon right now. And he talks about writing this ad and where that came from was he had an experience when he was younger. You know, I don't remember if it was a piano experience, but it was basically where, you know, he was in, he was in a social environment and, you know, he was like kind of like this lowly boy, boy, not well to do, you know, very lower class. And, you, you know, he was like he sat, you know, for the case of this example, let's just say that he, you know, went and wanted to like tinker on the piano. And like, just, just like with him doing that, people just started chuckling, laughing at him, like, like, oh, you, you know, you poor pathetic child, like, there's no way that you know how to do that. And so he just like kind of stopped what he was doing and got up and he just felt so ashamed of himself. And so that experience is what drove the copy that he wrote. Okay. And so with, you know, with that headline, they laughed when I sat down at the piano. So that sets up the situation that has that comes with all of the shame and frustration and embarrassment that people feel. But then there's like victory at the end, you know? And so that just that headline alone sets up the problem and triggers all these emotions where people want to care about the problem. And so the reason why most copywriters, you know, of course I'm, tongue in cheek when I round up the numbers and say 100% of copywriters, it's because when they do research, they do research into, you know, the product itself, the product solutions, things like that. Okay. But once you become a, yeah, yeah, I hate to use, you know, cliches, but like a next level copywriter, you can sell a product without knowing anything about it. Like you don't have to know the features. You don't have to know the benefits. All you need to know is the market. And what they care about, because once you know what they care about, then you can take the features and plug it in to all of these frustrations that they have. You know, when normally what we're doing is we take a feature and a benefit and we're like, all right, here's a feature. And I'm going to, you know, come up with some cool bullet benefit here and let's just hope they care about it. When you don't even have to do that, you just find out what, where are they struggling? And you're like, OK, well, they're, you know, like a copywriter right now is always struggling to you know, to figure out how do I write a headline, you know, and then you have a training program. It's a, you know, what is your workbook guys? What is your 12 week training program called? Uh, we have one called the accelerator, the copywriter. Yeah, so, right. So which talks about, okay. So that's talking about like the business. Yes. Copy. Yes. You know, so if someone out there in the world, you know, let's throw away the headline example, you know, so someone out there in the world is like, Hey, uh, I, I'm, I got a sales call okay, with my first, my first sales call for my first client. Okay, um, how do I even start the call? What do I say on the call? Uh, how do I how do I how do I close them? And then once I close them, what's the contract? Like, is there a contract? How do I do an agreement? And you take all of those things and you say, hey, on day one, we teach you how to start every sales call so they treat you as the authority. On day two, okay, we show you um, exactly what to say. You know, after the intro to the sales call. So that you can find out exactly what they need, you know, and then day three, we show you how to close them. So you, so there's no high pressure situation, you know, so you don't feel like, you know, a sleazy used car salesman. Instead, 
they're asking you for the sale. Okay? And then on day four, we show you the exact proposal and agreement to use where they look at it and they're like, yeah, this is a no brainer. I'm in. You know, so that's how you lay out the features and benefits by first understanding what the market is struggling with. And so to tie all that together into your question on why is it that copywriters can't seem to do that? It's because they don't take the time to experience those struggles for themselves. And so that's, that's really the ultimate answer there. Yeah, I like that. So I want to switch gears just a little bit and talk about what you're doing now. You, uh, you left Agora recently. Tell us the kind of work that you're doing now and uh, maybe you know, what's got you excited about that. Yeah, absolutely. So I broke away from Agora uh, finally into the world of freelance. Okay, And the first client that I took on was Orrin Clapp, the guy who wrote Pitch Anything. Okay, And so doing all, you know, it's one of those things where, look, the best way to find out what you want is to find out what you don't want. All right. And so the way I've done that is I've been trying everything, writing copy for everything, doing marketing consulting for everything, every industry. You know, and there's some industries where, you know, I write copy for it and I'm like, ah, uh, not for me. Like I just, you know, I either don't believe in the product or I can't, you know, seem to care about the product, no matter how much research I do, you know? And so one thing that I'm doing right now is I'm working with business owners instead of, instead of what most copywriters do. And they go in the world of helping copywriters, you know, because there's, there's only a handful of people that can do it really, really well. You know, you guys being one of them. And so it's like, well, there's already great solutions out there. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to find people that actually need help. Okay. And so there's a whole world of business owners that don't even know what copy is. They don't know what copywriting is. Their idea of marketing is yellow pages and billboards. You know, so they are completely blind, you know, to this. And so working with those people and doing a very basic direct response and just watching their, their world expand and their mind is absolutely blown. You know, it's like you make this little adjustment on a flyer. Like, all right, you're already doing flyers. Great. You know, we're going to test this one. And then they put it out there and they're like, oh my God, like I never got customers from that flyer before. And I just got 20 this week, you know? And so they're in love with you. And it's such easy, low hanging fruit, you know, because when you're in the world of copy, it's easy to get frustrated because you're competing. Okay. With some of the best copy in the world, some of the best copywriters in the world um, with offers that are already converting at an insanely high level. And it's like, well, I hope I beat the control and get like an extra 0.1% conversion. And that is so hard to do. That is so hard to do. Okay. And so you do it, it doesn't work. Do it, it doesn't work. Do it, it doesn't work. And you get beat down and you're like, maybe I can't do this. You know, it's like, Hey, Want to learn martial arts? Great. You're going to train with Bruce Lee. Okay? <laughs> and by the way, there's, there's no pads. Okay. And, and he's, he's a little bit angry, a little bit drunk. So um, yeah, Godspeed. Okay. And you get your butt whooped, you know, you get your bones broken, your neck snapped, all of that stuff. And then, you know, we're supposed to think like, well, you know, what we need is more tactics, more strategies. I need, I need another book. I need another course. Okay. When instead you can, go into a world where it's like, hey, um, you're going to learn martial arts, okay? 
um, your first opponent is a duck. <laughs> and you just walk in and you just like kick the crap out of the duck and then it like kind of flies away, you know, goes and fetches bread somewhere else. And it's like, oh, that was an easy win. Okay. And it's like, all right, great. Your, your, your next, your, you know, your next opponent, okay, it's a stick. It's a dried out stick. You know, okay, walk up and you just like crack the stick and you're done. Okay. And so that's what the world of business can be like. You know, there's so many people where it's like, oh, this is an easy win. And all of a sudden your confidence goes up. And you're like, wow, maybe I can do this. Okay, so that's that's what I'm doing these days. You're you're kicking you're kicking ducks these days. Kicking ducks, kicking ducks. Kicking ducks. And sticks. <laughs> yeah. Um Yay. hey, that rem- that reminds me. What is brown and sticky? Oh my goodness. A stick. <laughs> somebody's a dad so yeah that's terrible somebody's a dad got two dads in the house um okay so i love that idea and and you sharing that because i do think we often forget how there are businesses that have real problems out there and we have the solution and so many of us can help them with the skills that we have but we don't think about how how many skills we bring to the table and these people that maybe aren't necessarily the sexier businesses to even support initially, but they need help or even like brick or mortar businesses that are putting up flyers and need help. Um, and we can really help them with the skills that we have. So when, what does this look like for you? I mean, you mentioned like, this is your first time freelance. It's exciting. You've got clients, you've got big name clients like Orin. Is this, do you, how do you structure it? Are you working on retainer? Do you take packages? Are you customizing everything just based off you know, if you like the client and you think you can help? Yeah. So I have a hyper inconsistent model, you know, because, you know, to be fair, I'm, I'm pretty new into the taking clients world. So I'm experimenting at this point, but what it's mainly turning into is a flat fee retainer. Okay. Plus revenue share. And I do that as a model called uh, draw against commissions which draw against commissions is, okay, let's say that I have a rev share of 25% of a company, okay? And say, okay, what I'll get is 25% of revenue, of any revenue that is generated above your baseline. So if a company is making $10,000 a month, okay, they're going to pay me, you know, five grand up front, okay? And I'm like, okay, so five grand up front, they're making $10,000 a month, okay? If I get the revenue up to $20,000. Okay, that's, you know, if I got 25% of that money, okay, that's 2500 bucks. You know, cuz that's, you know, the difference, the $10,000, you know, 20,000 to 10,000, I got them a $10,000 difference, I get 25% of that. It's 2500 bucks. Well, that still doesn't match my my $5,000 fee. Okay, so then it's like, okay, well, they were at 10,000, we brought them up to $30,000. Okay, so the difference there is 20,000 bucks. 25% of that is five grand. All right, so that matches my fee. Then let's say we get them up to $50,000. Okay, the difference there is 40 grand. 25% of that is 10 grand. So instead of them paying me $5,000, they pay me $10,000. Okay, so I get a revenue share, 25%, and at minimum, I'll get $5,000. Okay, but beyond a certain point, you know, my income goes up that this is probably one of those examples that's better demonstrated with like a chart or a a spreadsheet um but that's that's how i'm structuring my deals these days 
hard to do uh, on a podcast to, to show how that all adds up. Yeah. But uh, using our imagination, I expect that there are copywriters who are listening, thinking that's the kind of work that I'd like to do. So what would your advice be to somebody who wants to move from the model that they're currently in, maybe you know, charging by project or possibly retainer to something like that? How do you find those clients? Yeah. So the way you find those clients is you quit hanging out with copywriters. <laughs> you know, so, so let me give you an example. So one of these clients I'm working with, he is an absolute dream client. Okay. Because one, he writes most of his own copy. Two, he's pretty good at it. Three, all he needs is a little direction. Okay. So I'm acting more of a, more as a marketing consultant for, for him. And then I'll write, you know, a landing page or a sales page here and there. I didn't meet him at a copywriter group. Okay. I met him at a place where business owners go. Okay. And so I met him at a affiliate marketing conference. Okay. Because at affiliate marketing conferences, okay, these aren't copywriters. They're not. They're business owners. They're offer owners. And, you know, sometimes there's uh, affiliate managers there. Okay. Offer owners and business owners are always in desperate need of copy. Okay. And at these conferences, especially if you go to a training conference where it's like how to do um, affiliate offers and not from, not from like an affiliate marketing standpoint, like, Hey, I'm an affiliate marketer and I'm selling other people's stuff. No, it's, I have an offer. How do I set up an affiliate program so I can get other people to sell my stuff? Okay. And so these are the business owners and you show up there and you just casually say, yeah, I'm a copywriter. Everyone wants to talk to you. Okay, so that's one example. Another one is not going to things like, you know, chamber events, not going to your your freebie uh, small business groups, you know, on, on, you know, whatever the little apps are called, you know, there's these little uh, uh, meetups and things like that. No, instead, you find higher end conferences where it's, it's pay to play, okay, but uh, well to do affluent business owners go to these conferences. Okay. So like, for example, this conference that I'm heading to uh, next week, okay, is full of business owners where at minimum, okay, their business needs to be making $1 million a year. Okay, and so looking at these people coming in, you just pull up their website and you're like, you're, you're not making money because of your marketing. You're making money in spite of your marketing. Okay, because your marketing is awful. Imagine what would happen if we just got a 5% bump. You know, you would no longer be making a million bucks a year. You know, there, there's, an, there's an extra, what was it, 50 grand. You know, and a 5% bump on absolute garbage copy is not hard to do. You can usually do that just by increasing the font size on their landing page. You know, make it just easier to read, not even touching the copy. You know, so to, to, circle back around, go where business owners are, and then go where affluent business owners are. So that's what I would do. All right. So I'm curious, what has surprised you the most as you've moved into this freelance space, you know, post Agora, like building the business? Has anything surprised you that you weren't expecting? Mm, yes. The biggest lesson that I've learned, you know, so this is going to tie back to the walk a mile in their shoes, right? So we don't want to just do the research for the end customer. 
Okay, we need to understand our clients better. So if you look at who the best, most well-known, most sought-after copywriters in the world are right now, they're not copywriters. Okay, they're business owners first. Okay, so for example, Justin Goff, Stefan Georgi, Craig Clemens, even Pagan, all of those guys, yeah, some of them cut their teeth writing copy, but where they got so good is owning their own offers, running their own business. Because when you run your own business, you discover things that you used to never care about as a copywriter. Like, for example, I had no idea that AOV was even a thing until I was, you know, two years into writing copy and I did some side work for a client. And he says, hey, how do we increase the AOV on this? And I, and I was like, oh, yeah, uh, Googling AOV average order value. I'm like, oh, it's like, okay, do that. Oh, actually, we don't even need to touch your copy. We can just make some tweaks to your order form. And I was like, oh, I didn't even think about that. You know, because I was so focused on the sales page and the headline and getting the sales argument just right that I didn't even stop to think. There's easy, low-hanging fruit ways to get, you know, a higher AOV you know, and a higher conversion just on the order form, you know, and you would only know that if you were a business owner. Okay. So, I mean, to, to put an action item to that, go find something to sell and sell it for yourself. Set up an ESP, an email service provider, go pick up an, you know, a Thrivecart account or something like that, you know, go pick up a free trial of ClickFunnels, whatever, you know, uh, go figure out how to write a simple Facebook ad. Just try and learn all of that and do it for yourself. And then you'll start to see and experience what your clients are doing every single day. That's what's new for me. You mentioned that you've been working with Warren Claff. He's obviously famous for his books about sales, really. Uh, what have you learned from your experience just uh, in the short time that you've been working with him? Absolutely. Um, the biggest thing I learned from him is be extremely picky about who you work with. Okay, and don't reward bad behavior. Now, oftentimes we come from a position of, I need clients, I want to help my clients, I want to serve my clients, you know, and that puts you into a position of servitude, okay, which immediately puts them into a position of authority and power. And, you know, we've all heard of that, there's this famous science experiment where you know, they took a bunch of students and they did like a, a role play situation where it's like, all right, half of you are going to be prisoners and the other half of you are going to be prison guards. Okay. And it didn't take long. I want to say it was like a few days before the prisoners started feeling, you know, very depressed and down and lowly. And then the prison guards started treating the prisoners like crap. Like they all, they were all, it was all make-believe. Okay, but just because they were in that position, they started acting the part. And so when we do that with clients, we tend to do that with clients. You know, they, they email, we email them back right away. They text, hey, can you talk? And we drop what we're doing and we give them a call, you know, or we're on a, on a sales call with them and, you know, we're talking to them and they start kind of making demands like, all right, well, I'm going to need you to do this and do this. And. And it's like, yeah, okay, yeah, I can do that for you too. Okay, and so what that does is it's not it's not about being an alpha, okay? Because 
we don't need to do that. There's, you don't need to have this alpha mentality going in and talking to these people. Instead, what most people do is they accidentally turn the prospect or turn the buyer into an alpha. And the way we do that is we bring ourselves down. Okay, so I was on this call. I was just listening in on this call. And, you know, with it was with Oren and some other people that I can't mention, obviously. But, you know, he so Oren went through the pitch. It was for this, uh, for this kind of super, ultra high-end lead generation program. You know, it's like basically getting leads uh, for clients where they'll come in and spend $1 million, $10 million. And so getting lead, you know, lead gen for, for those customers that need that. So he's, he pitched the deal, said, here's what it is. And then the guy on the other end of the call is like, okay, um, now there's, you know, there's a, actually a few other companies that do what, you know, that do what you do, you know, so, you know, tell me why we should go with you. And Oren said, hey, there's other guys that do what I do. Go use them. All right, guys, I had a great call today. So um, catch you later. And they're like, wait, 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 wait. All the all the other people on the call, you know, all the all the other employees are like, wait, 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 wait. No, no, that's just, you know, that's just Jack or, you know, whatever his name. That's just Jack. He's 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 just a CEO. He's new to this deal. You know, no, we we want to do this. We want to go with you, you know, and, and he says, OK, well, you know, you guys said you're friendly and you want to build a relationship and you want to build, you know, for you, business is about building relationships. And no one I know that builds relationships says things like what you just said. And so all of a sudden the guy's like, no, you're right. I'm, you know, I'm sorry. And da, da, da. And Orin wasn't rude at all. He was just stating facts. He was like, he's like, I'm kind of concerned about this because no one I know that talks about wanting relationships says things like that. You know, so unless I'm misunderstanding here, you know, and they just all of a sudden start bending over backwards, apologizing. And that, you know, that ties back to, you know, what I said at the beginning is, you know, you don't want to reward bad behavior, you know, and if they want you to go fetch a rock for them, like, tell us why we should go with you instead of other people, like, just don't even do it. Because that, if anything, you need to train them to listen to you. Because if all of a sudden you start bending to them, and then you suggest a piece of marketing advice, and they maybe don't agree with it, they're not going to do it. But if they look up to you as the authority, which starts at the very beginning of the sales call, then the likelihood of them doing it is, you know, is obviously going to go up and they're going to get success and it only makes you look good. So that's what I'd say there. That's incredible advice because so many of us struggle with that dynamic and that power dynamic. So, um, that's huge. Uh, I'm just wondering, you know, that's a struggle for so many copywriters. What, what's been a struggle for you over the last few years? It's easy to hear about your successes and, and working with big name companies like Agora and then now Oren and um, building your revenue share with clients. It sounds kind of dreamy, right? But what's, what's been a struggle along the way? Yeah. So the struggle along the way has been knowing what you're good at knowing what you're not good at. Okay. So being that I'm a, you know, big idea dreamer, you know, uh, ADD type, you know, whatever, whatever category I fit in, you know, I'm, I'm always like looking on to the next thing. Okay. There's things that I'm awful at, like managing the business, managing the finances of the business, all the accounting, all of the, you know, all of that stuff, you know, the stuff, you know, we can, bottle it up and call it, you know, the clerical work, because you can make a ton of money as a copywriter, 
and you could fill up your bucket, you know, with, you know, you have a giant bucket and it's just like water is just gushing into it. And you're like, look at all this water I have. But most business owners, they have holes all, you know, all around the bucket on the bottom and it just bleeds out faster than it goes in, you know? And so like, that's what I, that's what I had experienced early on is like, oh, wow, I'm getting these clients and that's like, you know, 15 grand here, 20 grand here, 30 grand here. And then like six months later going like, where'd it go? I know not all of it went to taxes, you know? And so finding someone, you know, for example, finding a bookkeeper, finding uh, an accountant, someone that can just look at things and, and tell you, you know, it's like, Hey, here's where your money's going. Stop doing this, stop doing this and start doing this. You know? So that's, that was the biggest struggle that I went through making money and then not seeing any, any of it because it was bleeding out. As expected, Jimmy, this has been a, a great interview and you've given a ton of great advice about copy, about finding big ideas, working with clients. If people want to connect with you, I know you said you didn't want to promote your list, but this is your chance. Where should they go to, uh, to learn more from you or even to hop on and get the emails that you send out occasionally? Yeah, absolutely. Just go to jimmyparent.com. Um, and you will see a giant picture of my face and a, and a ridiculous piece of copy. And if you want to opt in, do it because it's going to be awesome. <laughs> yeah. And we should point out, you did a great interview in the Copywriter Club Facebook group talking about the big idea. People can jump in there and look for that as well. Absolutely. All right. Thank you so much, Jimmy. Thanks, Jimmy. Hey, I'm glad we could do this, guys. You've been listening to the Copywriter Club podcast with Kira Hug and Rob Marsh. Music for the show is a clip from Gravity by Whitest Boy Alive, available in iTunes. If you like what you've heard, you can help us spread the word by subscribing in iTunes and by leaving a review. For show notes, a full transcript, and links to our free Facebook community, visit thecopywriterclub.com. We'll see you next episode. Mm-hmm.